All right, welcome to APS Radio number four. With me today, Major Allison Breger. Good afternoon, dear. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, I am uh, in hour five of the second round of the Moderna COVID vaccine. So I'm feeling good right now. You feel good now. We'll see how you feel tomorrow. Well, I feel like I'm just sort of... uh, in a relaxed state. I don't know if it's because my immune system is ramping up for a cytokine storm or it just somehow relaxed me, but we're just going to go with it. All right. And I, I like it. You're wearing a Browns uh, hoodie. We're, uh, we're taping this a little bit early. Uh, we just had a Super Bowl last night. So, and your, your Browns did put up more of a fight. They did put up a fight against the Chiefs, but I was cheering for Tom Brady. I mean, come on greatest of all time the man needs to write a book on leadership and sure you can knock him about the flake gate but come on sun Tzu's art of war that's that's all that was is deception of minus using the art of war tactics what is that seven champions he had championships seven that was his seventh super bowl appearance and i believe his sixth super bowl win right uh, I think seventh win, but you know what? It doesn't matter because Ric Flair has 16 championships and that's all that matters. Woo. That, is true. That, that is true. All right. So Rollins needs to catch up with him. But yes. Yeah. So let's, let's go through your whole little background, if you don't mind, which is going to take up half the episode itself. Sure. Grew, up, grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. That's right. Good old yo. Former paper girl. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, past champion at Connect Four. Uh, actually, I was really terrible at that game. Okay. All right. Some of these are not true. Uh, first female pole water in the state of OHIO. That is true. Uh, bachelor degree in science and psychology from Brown University. Yes, sir. Where is Brown University? It is in Providence, Rhode Island. I used to think it was in New Jersey until my parents dropped me off and I realized I was in Rhode Island and not New Jersey. All right. While you were there, you were a division one athlete in track and field. Yep. All right. Then you decided to go back to Ohio to Kent State. Sure doctorate did. in uh, psychology, no physiology. Physiology, yeah. Even in my big print, I can't read. <laughs> You then became a research professor at Morehouse School of Medicine. I sure did. And then uh, a U.S. Army neuroscientist and recruiter. Well, recruiter is a loose term, but I do work for the recruiting command now. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's actually the next thing is uh, you are officially certified in TikTok and a Snapchatter. Oh, yeah. well, I did have to receive training on that because, yes, the Army. She has continuing ed and, and TikTok and Snapchat. Yeah, I, I hate to admit it, but yes, it's true. With all the social media stuff, she still prefers MySpace. Is that true? Uh, yeah, Tom is still one of my best friends. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you then became chief of the Sleep Research Center at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty damn official. Yeah, they're a pretty amazing team over there. I miss them a lot. We're going to talk a lot about that stuff. Uh, For sure. You completed in the first CrossFit Games? Well, 
not the first one. My teammate from college competed in the first one. I competed in the sixth and the eighth one as okay. on the What happened to number seven? Um, I went as an individual and only made it to regionals, which okay. is still pretty good. But. All right. Sorry, I had to bring that up. Okay. You are a part of the O2X sleep specialist, part I of the sure O2X team. Absolutely. Those guys are awesome. Those guys and gals. They're phenomenal. Uh, you are an author, Meathead and Off Colored Rainbows. Yep. And then you, like you said, you received your COVID shot today, number two. Number two. All right. We're getting there good. Uh, she would probably not want to do this tomorrow. At least that's how I felt. I felt like crap. Same shot. I had COVID just like you. It didn't go well uh, day two for me, but it, it affects everybody differently. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I had COVID, but I, I had all the symptoms before we actually knew what COVID was because I basically, all of last January and February followed patient zero, that lawyer from New Rochelle around the country. And my best friend, uh, lives in New Rochelle, like a few blocks from him. So I'm pretty sure I had it before we knew what it was. Yeah. And you spent a ton of time in New York too. I did. Yes. So I, I like to think I developed some super antibodies in New York. Uh, we were there. It was a no knock deployment. We got called out the end of March. Uh, didn't have any idea when we were coming back, but we ended up coming back towards the end of May. Nice. And you even got to go on, and I forget the ship name, but you were at uh, kind of that hospital base that's on uh, on the sea, basically? Yeah, uh, it was serendipitous I got to go on that. So I ran the COVID lab inside the field support hospital, and we were constantly like at critically low levels of supplies. And honestly, I don't know what we would have done if I didn't drive my Jeep to New York because I felt like most days we were driving my Jeep to pull up to the comfort. And then uh, my other army battle had a friend from the Navy because he used to be in the Navy. So between his connection and my Jeep, uh, I'm not sure what we would have done with the critically low supplies, but, but we made it happen. And, you know, serendipity would have it. I got to go on the comfort a few times, just kind of take any pictures for operational security reasons. Do you want to real quick kind of discuss what the comfort is? Yes. So in my humble opinion, the USS Comfort is the most amazing feat of human engineering. It's basically a fully functioning hospital on a ship. Uh, they can do neurosurgeries, they can do cardiothoracic procedures, just any sort of high level complex procedure you would have done in a prestigious you know, New York, Boston, Dallas hospital is done on a ship in the middle of the ocean. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. All right. So much better than that. Yes. No. So let's kind of get to the gist of why I kind of suckered you into doing this to begin with. Let's talk about sleep. It's kind of what you do. You do other things too, but let's talk about sleep. Yep. Why also do what? I also love to sleep. I do practice what I preach. As soon as we get done, she's going to take a nap. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So why is sleep so important? Well, sleep has many universal functions. And, um, you know, the bluff is if, if you don't sleep, you become very unhealthy, you become very sick. And as they have shown in animal models, they have 
shown that animal models basically die when they're deprived of sleep. Um, it's important for replenishing energy restores. It's important for clearing toxins from the brain. It's important for learning new information and retaining it the next day. Um, it's important for our emotional and psychological health. I can go on and on and on. It is absolutely important. And we know, unfortunately, like you as a firefighter and me as military, we know it's important when we're without it, right? Like sleep deprivation is the worst form of torture. Like, and uh, so that right there just shows just how critical it is. So kind of talking about the military and sleep uh, for the longest time, part of just military training was sleep deprivation you know putting yep. you out there and you know this is how it could be when you're out in the field and you're 48 hours whatever it may be give or take hours where you're awake and you're expected to function now correct me if i'm wrong that, that happens a little bit but for the most part they've kind of um went a different way with that and i know your team was a big part of changing that could you kind of go into that if you don't mind Absolutely. So yeah, there are some uh, military training exercises that are so historically uh, rooted and traditional to the military, such as ranger school training, right? Like they're, the fact that those cadets are sleep deprived for 72 to 96 hours nonstop, even though we know all the, the negative consequences of sleep deprivation, there are certain traditions that, um, or selection processes that will not change. Um, even select marksmanship exercises downrange on a mission. Um, I was part of one where we were essentially awake for 60 hours. We were with the first armored division out of Fort Bliss and we uh, rolled out um, right outside of Kuwait, did a marksmanship exercise for 48 hours. Um, but again, you, in order to prepare for war, you have to train for war, right? And so sometimes you have to do it because when you're in that real world situation, what are you gonna do then if you've never experienced it before? Uh, but those are the unique cases, right? For the most part, what our team has been, been very instrumental in is education um, and implementing ways that soldiers can get the best sleep possible when they're not doing these crazy missions. Um, so how can we best improve their sleep downrange in theater? Um, given all the constraints. Uh, myself, when, when I was in Kuwait, we slept in a shipping container next to a flight line. Like you talk about trying to get good quality sleep, even when you were really sleep deprived, it was impossible. Um, so in a situation like that, you know, we would, in, we would advocate for noise canceling headphones or white noise machines or something to dampen the noise of the airfield in the background. Now, in garrison, uh, back home in theater, uh, it's all about proper sleep hygiene. So what you can do uh, an hour before bed, 30 minutes before bed, and even you know 15 minutes before bed to make sure that you are in a position to get the best night of sleep possible. How do you go about doing that? So, it, I mean, it really is a process. And um, again, it's something that I, I, I preach um, and I practice and, and so do a lot of my colleagues. Um, so to me, the, the sleep routine schedule starts anywhere from 90 to 60 minutes before bedtime. Um, and it begins with putting away all technology. So 
even in this day and age where we have blue light blocking glasses, I think people oftentimes use that as an excuse to keep being on their iPad or to keep watching Netflix or to keep texting up until the very minute they go to sleep. But that's not good because it's stimulating the brain, right? Like even if you're having a silly text conversation with your friend, um, it's still stimulating. It's not relaxing. Um, so that's what you want to do. All technology away at least 60 minutes before bed. And then after that, um, it's doing things that are relaxing to you. Uh, some people it's listening to podcasts, others it's reading a book, um, others it's listening to music, some do breathing exercises. Uh, my recommendation is to do- I, I use my phone for all that. I use electronics for all that. Well, there's such thing as uh, Alexa. So you could just tell Alexa to turn on a certain podcast or, you know, play, play some Brahms or uh, some Holst. Okay. Some something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Alexa, but, play ACDC. <laughs> hey, but I mean, I love ACDC, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not uh, optimal to listen to before bedtime. <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, as you were, sorry, I was rude. Oh, no, you weren't rude at all. Um, but you want to do all of this uh, besides, you know, you don't want to listen to ACDC under uh, dim light. And the reason for that is because we naturally release this hormone uh, from our pituitary gland called melatonin. And exposure to dim light augments melatonin release. Um, and then some people, like I do this myself, I take a hot shower. Um, and then if I've like really, really trashed myself from training, um, sometimes I will take an over-the-counter sleep supplement. Um, here and there, melatonin when I'm traveling. Um, but I advocate for sleep supplements as a last resort. You know, that's one thing uh, I think us in the sleep community like to emphasize is you want to make all these behavioral changes first. And then if you still need a little bit of help to coach your brain into a better stage of sleep, then maybe advocate for um, melatonin um, or one of the other over-the-counter plant-based um, sleep hypnotics. We, we try to keep, get people away from Ambien, Lunesta. Um, there are actually government orders from the military now that soldiers are no longer able to get Ambien and Lunesta um, on a long-haul flight to Afghanistan. And even a prescription for it is much more difficult these days than it used to be in years past. I can attest to using that and having a pretty bad time a couple times. So basically sleepwalking through an airport that, that actually happened. So, yeah, no, it, it's really scary. Um, you know, a lot of those strong hypnotics like Ambien and Lunesta, they stay in your system for up to 16 hours. And as the data shows in the laboratory, it's basically the equivalent of having a blood alcohol content of, 0.08 or higher. So you're, you're basically, you were legally drunk walking through the airport, which I mean, it's probably better to do that, you know, drinking Great Lakes uh, ale, but you know. <laughs> Look at you. Somebody's been in Cleveland airport before. <laughs> I have. Yes. 
or Ryan Geist where you are. That's that's actually I've gotten. Uh, I like that beer. I've I've had I've gone to the brewery in uh, Cincinnati. It's pretty. pretty it's a pretty cool place. Yes. Uh, how much should we actually be sleeping? So great question. Um, the human average is eight point four hours a night, uh, and that basically comes from thousands and thousands of population data points um, where we're looking at sleep across different cultures and different communities, um, different races, different ethnicities. So that's the average. Um, the National Sleep Foundation, most like governing bodies say seven to nine hours is the sweet spot. So you fall somewhere along that spectrum. I myself, I'm about a seven and a half hour person. Um, I know that because right now, I, I fortunately am in a position where I can get good quality sleep at night. And it doesn't matter like how much I've trained the day before or how much I've you know pushed myself psychologically. Um, I always wake up after I get seven and a half hours. Um, so I myself know that's my set point. Um, some people, unfortunately, are like nine, nine and a half hours. Uh, it's just one of those things. With you trial find and me some, find me one of those people. I don't think they exist. Uh, I mean, they're going to be my next guest. Yeah. How, how do you sleep nine and a half hours every day, sir? I know that's, it would, I mean, there's probably people out there who need that, but they, they're not in the opportunity. They don't have the opportunity in their career to actually get that. Do, so they, have, do they have a career? Well, that's the thing. They probably have a career. They're just chronically sleep deprived because they can't get amount of sleep um, and how you test for that is you look at stimulant use across the day so if you have somebody who's like getting eight hours of sleep at night and say they you know don't have a sleep disorder and they're still tired then they're probably unfortunately one of those people who needs like nine and a half ten hours of sleep yes so you mentioned it so i'll go right to it you said the magical words sleep disorders mm -hmm. There's a ton of that with firefighters. Oh yeah, and military too. I have two of them, so <laughs> yeah. So uh, I know just in my station alone, about half of the guys have CPAPs. Yep. And probably needs to be more than that even, doesn't it? Probably, so the latest assessment of active duty populations, um, this is across the entire army, um, of active duty. So we're talking a half a million soldiers. It was at 72%. Um, and that even includes, uh, this is a report we put out uh, very recently in the journal Sleep Health, that even includes West Point cadets. So you're talking about like the cream of the crop, healthiest uh, future military leaders who are only 18, 19 years old, about they're within the average standard deviation of sleep disorders. That's, that's how prevalent it is. And we found the same too, actually. Um, we published a paper last year in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, where we did a longitudinal assessment of sleep health and division one football players at Towson University. And we found the same thing, about 70% of them fit the diagnosis for sleep apnea comorbid with insomnia. Um, so it's, it's common even in like extremely fit and healthy individuals otherwise. Um, like I said, I myself, I'm 36, I, I have mild sleep apnea. 
Um, I was not surprised when I was diagnosed because I've been an athlete and in the military. So I'm just, you know, another statistic. How, how many times when they studied you, did, did you stop breathing? And what is it, an hour or per so, minute, per minute, right? No, it's per hour. So per hour. okay. I'm very low on the spectrum. Um, my index was five. So I wake up about five times an hour. Um, so there, there's different degrees. So you wanna, I, do you want to guess where mine was real quick? All right. I'm going to say you have moderate and 14. No, I'm pretty sure I was like 60 times. An oh, hour. so you had a sleep apnea. Yeah, I was every, every minute. Sleep apnea. Yeah. So for those out there who are having issues, I mean, could you, could you even discuss you don't mind like what are some of the you know side effects of not getting your sleep apnea in check yeah i mean the biggest side effect is excessive daytime sleepiness um you just this inability to stay awake and maintain alertness even while driving a car like that's as bad as it gets right like if you are falling asleep at a stoplight which i mean it happens, right? Like when you do those long 48 hour shifts, like your body just wants any opportunity to so sleep. The mi micro sleeps, is that what that's called? Yeah, micro sleeps. Yeah. And, and we're only driving, you know, million dollar ladder trucks or, yep. or half million dollar engines, whatever it is. Right? It's, it's the same thing. No big deal. Right. And so that's where the risk runs. Um, and actually, this is a lot of times why my team at, at Walter Reed, um, Army Institute of Research, that's a lot of times, unfortunately, when we were called out to help this particular unit is there's some fatigue related accident. Um, like a few years ago, we had some ranger instructors who were coming down out off their 40 hour shift um, from, you know, sleep depriving the cadets in the mountains. And um, two of them crashed into a tree on the way home because they, you know, like their system gave up and, and it's because of those micro sleeps, which are that microsecond of, of sleep, like is life or death sometimes. And so that's why it's really, really critical at its worst to get your sleep apnea and your sleep disorders in check. Nice. Good deal. Uh, staying on this whole topic, there's lots of stuff on sleep. I, I, I made notes for to talk to you about because it's just, I know I can run all this stuff by, you can break it down to all the viewers and listeners there. So um, lack of sleep and then cancer and it kind of defeating the cancer killing cells. Can you kind of touch on that too? Sure. Um, I mean, I don't, I know the research. I'm certainly not an expert in um, sleep deprivation and cancer biology, but I do know that um, it's most uh, widely recognized and a concern in shift work. Um, you know, they say that shift work now, I believe, takes 10 to 15 years off your life. Um, and a lot of it is because of these increased incidences for cancer. Um, because again, sleep helps keep the body in check. Um, it helps keep uh, the immune system stable. Um, it helps keep all those biological processes stable. And so when you're constantly sleep deprived and or shifting the system, um, and providing this extra stress, it stresses the whole biological system. Is it as simple as saying sleep is your body's opportunity to heal? Yeah, 
absolutely. Okay. Cover. Absolutely. And when you're and when you're depriving yourself, I mean, you're you're not allowing it to heal, and that's why you know again we're so prevalent and and shift work in itself is a level what two a probable carcinogen. Yep, exactly. It has been, I, and that's from um, OSHA, right? I believe that it's. It, yeah, uh, I, IARC, yeah, International yeah. Agency for Research on Cancer. Uh, I'm still staying on this topic. Uh, how important, I know you talk about this in O2X, but it's, it's something I wish every department would have in their policy. What about safety naps? Safety naps are key. Um, and that's something now, even with the military, we've embraced. Um, so much so that it's been included in the new field training manual called um, the Field Training Manual for Holistic Health and Fitness. And um, a nap 20 to 30 minutes a day does wonders for minimizing your sleep debt that you accrue from just you know the type of job you have. And two, it, it could possibly be the difference between life and death, right? Like it can help minimize your sleep debt enough where you're not going to, you know, fall asleep in your car or compromise the safety of you or your, you know, battles. Um, and I, I've seen, uh, I've seen a few places now where they actually have policy to where like basically lunchtime till around one o'clock is like off limits for training or any, doing anything else. Phone calls, I mean, nothing. The only thing that you take is actual runs if they come in, but other than that, that's your opportunity to, to rest. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, and honestly, there's nothing wrong with doing like safety naps um, across the day or across the night. That's something that we implement and advocate for in our O2X training sessions. Um, you can take three or four naps a day if you're in a position where you're going to be up for 24 plus hours, you know? Yeah. I'm going to have to send this to my boss so he can, <laughs> Hey, we need like four naps, sir, please. Well, I mean, you, could, you could send the, uh, the new army training manual. So it's FM seven 22. And we wrote chapter 11, which is all about sleep and strategic napping. That's perfect. You know, what we need to send that to for sure is, uh, about three years ago, I was in England and I was doing a tour of the different brigades there, kind mm -hmm. of seeing what they do regarding firefighter cancer. And there was two large brigades there that they had gotten in a fight. The union had gotten in a fight with management and management's way of retaliating was taking all the beds and throwing them in a warehouse. So it's just, you, you know, torture. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So all, all these guys and gals had either had, had a bust out the air mattresses or their sleeping bags or sleep in some weird chair every night. Yeah, no, no beds at the firehouse. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I always, it, there's select fire departments that I've visited where it's just, you see their sleeping conditions and you see, you know, when the state or the county invests in like the least the most cost-effective, like bare minimum mattress just to cut costs. And I, I don't think that's the right strategy because 
think of all the second order impacts it's it's going to have. You know, that's one of the things like, you know, with our O2X seminars is and our workshops is we found like in the Boston fire department alone, it saved them $1.8 million in a year and workers comp and all these health related issues just through the simple fact of having this sleep education um, and like different educational avenues through O2X. That's amazing. Uh, let's talk about some other things that are related to all this stuff. Uh, and you just kind of sound off on what your, your thoughts are. Um, weighted blankets. Weighted blankets. So actually I have, I don't sleep with one, I, but I do have like, I don't say a heavy comforter, but um, I don't know. My, my opinion's still not out on that until I see the actual peer reviewed data. Um, most people I talk to though, it, it, I haven't heard anything negative, right? So maybe a weighted blanket is just like with, you know, there's that debate about stretching. Does stretching actually uh, reduce injury or does it just stabilize an injury? Um, it doesn't increase injury. Sure. You know so maybe weighted blankets are like that. It doesn't decrease sleep quality. Um, I will say my dog absolutely loves the, the weighted blanket that I have. Uh, I have a friend from college. He actually has a weighted blanket company. It's called Rooster. Um, and so far, I, shameless plug rooster. I am it's a shameless plug for Henry's company, but Henry has worked really hard. He's talked to me and he's talked to a few of my colleagues. Like he, he's trying to take an evidence-based approach. So good. All right. What about sound machines? Sound machines uh, are amazing. I used to think they were gimmicky until we were involved with a study that the Army Surgeon General's office sponsored, um, where we found that um, this particular noise frequency called pink noise, it's very similar to white noise, but it's softer. That's why it's called pink noise, um, actually changes the um, neural connectivity in one of the sleep circuits of the brain. It's called the thalamocortical loop. Um, so there is evidence-based like neuroanatomical research to support it. I have a sound machine. I've had one for years now. Um, if I don't have it with me when I travel, cause I used to travel a ton before COVID, I used to bring it with me. Uh, but even this weekend I was in a hotel and I didn't have my sound machine. So I used a pink noise app on my phone. Um, they're legit. Okay, there we go. Myth, myth uh, not busted, plausible. There you go. Plausible. I love that show. Uh, testosterone. Okay, we could talk about this all day. So um, the biggest benefit or the easiest way for me to get those young invincible males in the military and, you know, football players and all the like who want to work hard, play hard, party hard, is to show them the data about what happens to uh, plasma testosterone levels almost immediately under sleep deprivation. Um, so there's been a wealth of studies done over the years, and they've been repeated on several occasions in different age groups and demographics of males to show that as soon as you stop getting about 70 to 80% um, of your daily sleep needs, so you're taking your sleep from eight hours to five hours, 
there is an, an immediate drop in your testosterone um, to about 50%. And it doesn't come back up until you get good, adequate sleep again. Um, so imagine a situation, and this is why there are firefighters and military personnel, um, and especially the, the uh, special forces communities, you know, those guys do such rapid deployments. There's a reason why they're on low dose testosterone to stabilize their normal levels. And it's because of the long-term effects of sleep deprivation, hampering and hindering their normal testosterone secretion. So I've got about the same, I think the same guys that have the CPAP machines at, the, at my station are the same guys that have to get testosterone yep. every and, week. So that would make sense because um, how sleep apnea, part of the diagnosis is you have this inability to enter the deepest, most restorative stages of sleep. So you can't enter what is called stage three non-REM sleep. Um, and most oftentimes you don't enter REM sleep, which is the state of sleep when you dream. Um, that's why a lot of times when people go on CPAP, they have this massive sleep rebound and REM sleep and they start having like, they feel as if they've dreamt all night long. It's because of years and years of not being able to enter REM sleep. And now they have the ability to, because they can breathe again, yeah. um, so they're going to have more of it, right? It's a, it's a delicate balance in a seesaw. Um, but are you, are you also saying, correct me if I'm wrong, in about five years when I'm done and I can have a normal schedule, like a non, you know, just Monday, you know, I'm retired then. You're saying yeah. my levels will actually go up. Yes. If you do everything right, if, if you listen to, to me and the others, uh, O2X and um, it, it should improve. Um, I mean, once you're diagnosed with sleep apnea, um, you know, it's, there can be improvements, um, but you know, if you were diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, chances are you're going to be using that machine for a very long time. Um, but in terms of sleep hygiene, absolutely, you can work on that. And then not having shifted schedules and being on a normal nine to five, like 100%. Nice. Something to look forward to. Yes, exactly. What about caffeine and energy drinks? Oh, Awesome question. So um, that's more or less like, I guess, my area of expertise and, and a lot of the work I do with the military is um, I've been involved with creating um, caffeine dosing schedules that can be used during like long missions. Um, so ideas when you have to keep soldiers awake for 24 hours, 40 hours, 60 hours. Um, and we've actually done some behavioral health studies to show that the caffeine source matters. So first and foremost, you should never at one point in time consume more than 200 milligrams at a single time. Um, 200 milligrams is about um, a venti Starbucks. Um, so think about like three cups of coffee, uh, which is a lot, right? Like you, want, you don't wanna ever exceed three cups of coffee at once. Problem is most energy drinks have more than 200 milligrams of caffeine. So you're already at a loss right there using energy drinks as a caffeine dosing source. Um, the other thing is, is you wanna space it out for about three to four hours. Um, and if you do that, where you're consuming no more than 200 milligrams at a time for three to four hours, and say you have to be awake for 24, 40, 60 hours, you, 
Well, for the most part, like you're going to feel bad, obviously, when you hit like 40, 45, 50 hours of sleep deprivation, but you're still going to be like with it. Um, now, the problem becomes with energy drinks. So we actually have done a behavioral health study to show that if you are consuming two or more energy drinks a day, you actually are at a really great risk for PTSD, anxiety, and depression. Um, and this wasn't a small scale study. This is done across an entire division of the army, which is about two to 3,000 soldiers. Well, I'm trying to think. Okay, so that two or more energy drinks a day, that's about half the firefighters out there too. Oh, absolutely. Plus, I mean, plus coffee too. It's soldiers yeah. too. But here's the thing, like that rule doesn't really apply with coffee because the problem with energy drinks is they have all these unnecessary chemical additives and compounds that basically, um, and this has been shown in animal models, it creates a condition known as neurotoxicity where it's overstimulation of the brain. Um, and so in response to overstimulation, the brain freaks out and prematurely kills off its nerve cells. Um, it's called necrosis. So it's, it literally like energy drinks literally kill brain cells. That's awesome. It's great news. Yeah. Um, That's why that it's of all like, <laughs> like, I guess my proudest accomplishment in my um, current position working with the army esports team is like. I've gotten most of them to not consume any energy drinks, which is great because the esports culture is so ingrained in energy drinks, right? Like all the major energy drink companies sponsor some esports team. Um, and two, the soldiers who do still use energy drinks, they just know to like hide it when, when Pedro Brager comes walking in. What about, uh, is this kind of the same thing, anything to do with, um, pre-workout yeah so pre-workout is the same thing um i mean pre-workout has its like use case basis right if you're like competing you know i i'll admit i i took pre-workout this week i was competing in a crossfit competition this weekend and our last workout it was like our fifth workout of the day and we needed to like go ham so i took pre-workout it had 400 milligrams of caffeine and a hydrus and it it did its job but use case basis right like if you're in a situation and this is true with energy drinks where your safety is compromised because you are so sleep deprived um take it but on a daily basis like this is where it becomes an issue so we advocate for like using stimulants when it's absolutely necessary and safety is an issue, but not using them otherwise. Okay, now I'll follow you there. Now let me ask you this, along the same lines of caffeine in general. Let's say my bedtime was nine o'clock, which mm -hmm. it usually, not when I'm home, it's, that's usually around 10, but when I'm at the station and I'm definitely the old guy at the station, it's nine o'clock, you know, Good. those guys know, like, all right. It's early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Ben Franklin, right? I'm working on it. <laughs> when should be the last time, like if my uh, nine o'clock sleep time, when should I stop drinking caffeine? So at least six, 
six to eight hours before you go to bed. Um, the half-life of caffeine, I believe, is uh, for energy drinks and coffee, it's about an hour to an hour and a half. Um, if you're taking caffeine gum, like we have for our studies, it's 10, 20 minutes. Um, but that's because it's going from the saliva directly to the brain. It's not being digested and then going to the brain like coffee and the energy drinks. Um, but it's still going to be in your system for up to six to eight hours. Okay. I'll follow you. I, I don't know. I, I think that we, uh, you have such bad habits at the firehouse. I don't think we follow that very well. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about group mentality, right. And, and changing the culture. Um, it's, you know, once one person does it, um, and then another person, it's just easier. It's the group think mentality, right? What about retention? Retention. Just, I mean, whether it's physical or mental, how does sleep have to do with retention? Oh, so much so. I mean, burnout, psychological burnout, they, that has been studied um, on several occasions um, between sleep deprivation and risk for psychological burnout. But it's the same with physical exhaustion too, right? Like all those studies now um, looking at sleep deprivation in athletes, um, especially like anaerobic athletes um, and aerobic athletes. It immediately impacts their performance. Um, and I'm sure it's the same in, in you know, the tactical community too. We just, we're a little bit behind um, in terms of formally studying it. So speaking of studying, I know when I was studying for promotion, it was, uh, it was one of those stay up late and study, wake up early study. Yeah. And knowing what I know now and knowing talking to you, I went about that the wrong way. And that's, and, that's, and that's why I'm still a firefighter. <laughs> not, not, that's not the only reason, but no. Yeah. So, so no, I, that's it. Sleep would actually help me remember all that I was studying. Correct? Absolutely. That's when we memorize information is in our sleep. Because I, well, that's, I shouldn't say that we actively memorize it right during the day, but then it's consolidated and stored and then repackaged for reprocessing when we sleep. Okay. I follow you. All right. Now I want to kind of switch subjects now. Okay. And talk about the future. The future. Okay. The future. Yes. The final frontier. Okay. Let's talk about space. Let's talk about space. Let's talk about space. So you're in a running to be an astronaut. Yes, I am. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I've, well, I've always wanted to be an astronaut, you know, growing up in Ohio. Uh, it's it's kind of what we do. What we do, we have the most presidents, uh, we have the most astronauts, and um, just, you know, you grow up wanting to be a president or an astronaut when you grow up in Ohio, right? That's right. I mean, that's what Wilbur Wright said, right? Find a good mother and father and start life in Ohio. Like, He's He's, he's buried like 10 minutes away from me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Too, too easy, right? Yeah. Because um, we're first in flight, unlike uh, Dino Ali's place. I just like to say that whenever I get a chance. That is North, true. We, North yeah. Carolina, psh, whatever. <laughs> Cheaters. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I've always been enraptured by space. Um, and actually, my great uncle 
who's from Youngstown, Ohio. Um, he was a program manager for the Apollo space mission. So um, when we would visit his house in uh, the Chesapeake, like I saw all his mementos from meeting Armstrong and Aldrin and John Glenn. And it like, I just always wanted to be an astronaut. I just didn't know how until this time last year. How, how did this all, I mean, you said you always wanted to be this, but how did this actually become a, a possibility? Actually through mentorship from my current brigade Sergeant Major. Um, he actually just retired. His name is Sergeant Major uh, Stephen Lake. And this time last year, um, when he became our brigade sergeant major, he came in the gym and he's like, ma'am, you're going to be an astronaut. And I was like, sergeant major, like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, they're going to have another call for the army astronaut program. And I've been waiting for this. And he's like, I saw your bio and like, you're perfect. So sergeant major worked on like helping me be vetted through the army channels. And um, they had a nationwide call for astronauts around this time last year. So the idea was each branch of service got um, like two to three selections to then move forward to NASA. Um, and then all the people applied from it, you know, that from the normal civilian world. Um, and so I know as of right now, I'm one of those two to three, like I'm in this, I'm on the short list. Um, and I'm out of, hoping- Out of how many? I don't know, but it's a very short list. Um, okay. But I'm hoping. No, but I mean, how many did you go against just to even get to this far? So within the army, I went against twelve thousand people. Okay, so you did all right for yourself. Yeah. So and they selected, I believe, two or three from those twelve thousand. So I know I'm in the two to three, um, and I'm hoping I get invited for on-site activities soon. Um, I sort of had a cryptic email that that seems to be the case but you know I'm, I'm trying to stay hopeful but at the same time I'm grateful to have made it this far that's pretty cool and you're you're perfect for it like it's David Bowie basically wrote a song for you uh he basically I mean I I'm not gonna lie like when I went for my flight physical this time last year I definitely had space oddity playing um, especially since I'm a major, right? Like it's perfect, yes. A major breaker, ground control to major breaker. Take your protein pills, which you know I love taking whey protein after I train, and put your helmet on. Like, yeah, it's perfect. You gotta. I mean, you have a ready-made theme song. I do. I by, do. By <laughs> David freaking Bowie. That's gonna. I mean, David Bowie is already like one of the greatest artists of all times. Like he and Pink, Pink Floyd, right? Which we already had a discussion about. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that would be my theme song when this when the space shuttle is going up. I expect a, a, a video. Um, oh, for sure. You'll you'll I get. I remember uh, who there was uh, an astronaut not too long ago that did like a. I think they did a video of him singing that up there. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's been done like yeah so many times now and i follow all the astronauts on instagram so it's it's like awesome to see like the silly things they do in space because i do that stuff back here on planet earth so yeah. i think i think i'll find ways to keep myself entertained up there if i actually get the opportunity to go well yeah that's gonna be cool and if you do you get to come on this show and tell us everybody about that exactly yes so but part of this whole process is you're still going to have some interviews left, right? 
Yes, absolutely. We're going to do some on the spot interviews. So I want to do some of my 25 questions for you. Okay. Sweet. Prep you. This is like, uh, yeah, this is like uh, just prepping for that whole interview thing. All right, let's do it. All right. Pick a number one through 25. 21. Favorite album. Oh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. That's a good one. At last Friday, we had to do this really long bike endurance workout. And I was yeah. like, this is the perfect album to listen to because it's 74 minutes long. And it's like, you hit this like hallucinatory state throughout the workout. Oh man, it was awesome. Did you ever do the whole Wizard of Oz thing with it? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I have. Maybe, you know what? Maybe when I'm <laughs> like tomorrow, that's what I'm going to do when I'm lying, dying from, from the, from the COVID. Yeah. I'm no, you can just go on. Uh, it, you know, technology is there for us. It makes it easier now. Uh, before you had to sync the times with the record and the movie. Now you can just go on this place called YouTube and type it in and it's all set up for you. And it is kind of freaky how the whole thing is set up. It's like in, it's in sync with the movie. Well, so actually The Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie. Well, I should say it's my favorite classic movie. My, my favorite movie is Basic Instinct, but my favorite classic is The Wizard of Oz. Favorite play, Wicked? Uh, no, it's actually not. I love Rent. Rent, uh, well, I think it's also because Rent is the first play I saw on Broadway. That's pretty cool. Mine was uh, Monty Python and uh, or Spamalot. Yeah, Spamalot. Oh, Spamalot. That was a great one, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm that guy that likes that and like the Book of Mormon. And oh, Book of Mormon was fantastic. I did not see that in New York. I saw that in Atlanta, but I love that's like a sound, a Broadway soundtrack that I love listening to over sure. and over again. It's um, true. I know I'm supposed to at some point when we have live events again. I'm supposed to have tickets set up for Hamilton. Okay. So fact, my college roommate, college roommate, college teammate, uh, we were hurdlers and sprinters at Brown is the V Diggs, who is in the original Hamilton cast as uh, Thomas Jefferson. Oh, that's a great, uh, he's a great character in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, uh, he helped create and, right i mean i shouldn't say right but he helped write and uh rap and uh he was in the original cast very nice that's so cool yep. you got cool friends everywhere she was telling me before she knows <laughs> seth rollins from the wwe and i mean whatever well i got like, lucky meeting seth rollins just, i'm i'm glad i know you now before you're like uh too cool for me Hey, we'll get, we could go to a WWE show together when Seth Rollins comes here, because uh, you're not too far from me, because um, huh? that's usually what he does. He'll like text me, like he knows like where I live and where I moved to, and he'll text me and be like, hey, can we train um, together? Because you know, he's an avid CrossFitter, and so that's how I met him is through CrossFit. Because you've got, I mean, you've got, uh, correct if I'm wrong, Louisville has the, the Yum Center, which is a newer, yes. newer arena, and yes. then you have Rupp Arena, which is pretty close to you too which is a huge arena. Like that's like 22, 23,000 people. Yep. That's where uh UK plays. So. Yep. I mean, in Cincinnati's not that far as well, you know. No. No, not at all. It's that that's almost the halfway point. 
Yeah, give or take. Exactly. So we'll go to a WWE match in Cincy. I'll just have to when, when COVID's over, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you got your shots. I got mine. So hopefully soon enough, right? Exactly. Uh, pick another number. Seventeen. Favorite actor or actress? Ooh, well, I have to go. That's easy. Glenn Close. So. Basic Instinct is my absolute favorite movie. Um, I also love Fatal Attraction. Um, I personally like Glenn Close. I, she wasn't my favorite actor until maybe 10 years ago. Um, and she became my favorite actress because um, she actually spoke as the keynote at our annual Society for Neuroscience Conference, which has like 40,000 people. And it turns out that she comes from a very strong family history a very severe psychological disorders such as schizophrenia and bipolar. Like all her siblings, except for her, have either schizophrenia or, or bipolar. Um, and so that's actually why she started acting is because she, in playing the roles she does in Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct and even Cruella DeVille is because she wanted to like put herself in her sibling's shoes. That's kind of cool. That's so cool. That's yeah. not, yeah. Nobody, nobody else knows the background. That's why I bring you on the show for interesting <laughs> facts like that. But yeah, like since that day, like I have always loved Basic Instinct because you know it's like just so controversial, and then you know the classic scene with Newman like <laughs> investigating her. Um, but then, like after that, I was like, yes, she is my all-time favorite actress. Nice. Or How about we try to do? One more. Pick a good one. Uh, we'll do lucky number seven. This is a deeper one. It could be deeper. I don't know. What is something popular now, but everyone will look back at it five years from now and think it's dumb or embarrassing? Oh, that's so easy. TikTok. TikTok. And, and this is coming from a TikTok specialist that has <laughs> CUs in it. All the TikTok specialists. But yes, I have You've been trained, actually trained how to use it. TikTok, yes. I, do, you, do you have a TikTok? Like that you use? Or you just... No, I don't I don't have a single post. Well, I made one post on my TikTok account uh, for our annual sleep conference happy hour because it was virtual this year. It was um, that, remember, it was a, like all the hype about doing the outfit change with the mirror when you spray Windex on the mirror. And then you take a towel and you wipe the mirror and then they're in a different outfit and then you wipe back and you're in a different outfit. No, so, I don't remember that. Anyway, I did a TikTok about that because I literally spend like half a year looking for like the like new conference clothes. So that's why. I, I like to be fashion forward at conferences if I'm not wearing my military uniform. Fair enough. No, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, if anybody wanted to kind of track down what you've worked on or, or check, you know, not stalking, but get more information, uh, no stalkers, please. Where could they uh, find out more information about you? So I, uh, I am on Instagram quite often. Um, that's actually like our main recruiting channel. Um, so it's doc jock Z Z Z D O C J O C K Z Z Z. Um, so the, honestly, I have a lot of people who ask me questions about sleep on there. Um, 
You can, of course, buy my book, Meathead, Unraveling the Athletic Brain on Amazon. It's another, um, pl- another plug, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. She well, had, she's, a, she's shameless at this point. I mean, honestly, I don't make much money. Um, I, I make very, very, very little money on my book. Um, it, it wasn't my intention for writing it. it um, but, you know, I like to share the wealth of knowledge. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> it's fine. You're good. No, uh, no, seriously. Thank you for everything you're doing. I know, you know, it, it's military based, but it has so much more effect on just everybody else, especially, you know, for our, our police officers and firefighters as well. Yeah. I mean, you guys are the fighting force of the civilian world. So, I mean, thank you for your service and what you do too. You know, I don't think you hear that enough. We, we hear that all the time, but you, you know, I feel like you deserve it more than us because you, you're in it every day. We're all on the same team, different uniform. Exactly. So one team, right. one team. That's right. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Major Allison Bragger. Thank you so much, seriously. You're welcome. You I... rock, sister. Thanks. Go Bucks. <laughs> Go Bucks. All right. <laughs> Talk to you uh, viewers and listeners next month.